on 321. We are speaking with Rob DeLuca of, of course, UFO, Sebastian Bach, and Spread Eagle. Uh, three, of course, you know, classic outfits, Rob. How are you? I'm doing very good, Mitch. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's to you. Yes, absolutely. And, well. and hope all is well with you and yours. And and by the way, fans, this is not an interview today. We, we are doing, uh, I am declaring my best of list. We've done the best album, which was Black Swan with uh, Robin McCauley, who, of course, played with Michael Schenker, who, of course, played with UFO. But now we are doing the best reissue box set of 2020. And there is none other than the band that you're in. It is this one, which, whoops, we'll try to make it not shiny. It is the Strangers in the Night box set. And what I find fascinating, and, and we'll, we'll do the whole unboxing at the same time here, uh, is, here, let me let me go to a darker screen so, uh, so we can see it a bit better. Here we go. Uh, there's eight wonderful discs in here. And it captures the band in 1970. And, and here's what I find fascinating. October 13th, October 14th, October 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, an entire week of a band on the road. Um, Rob, you've had a chance, of course, to play many of these songs. You must have, of course, listened to Strangers in the Night at some point, either as a fan or, or learning it for the band. What is your take on this album just in general? And then we'll talk about this this remaster. I mean... It's it's everything that people say it is. It's just an incredible live record, one of the best live records made. And I saw them in April of 1980. So they were basically playing mostly this album plus their new album at the time. Um, so, you know, I saw a lot of this show myself when I first saw UFO when I was a kid. So it's a fantastic record. It really is. I listened to it recently. It just it blows me away every time. It really does. So so let me ask you this, because you, have, of course, have Pete Way in there, and you're playing his parts. When you hear this, and you see it year after year, classic rock, ultimate classic rock, all kinds of lists, Eddie Trunk, it's the best live album. It's right up there with Kiss Alive. It's right up there with Frampton Comes Alive. You know there's a little bit of pressure on you to, to, to play these faithfully and, and deliver them. Uh, how do you approach the songs in that live context to give them that Rob Pete UFO feel? Well, I mean, I basically had those thoughts 12 or 13 years ago when I first started playing with them. And then since then, uh, maybe the parts have evolved slightly, not a lot, but slightly, um, just to how whatever feels best live, you know. But um, they were definitely very, uh, very respectful of Pete's playing. When I, when my arrangements are very respectful of Pete's because I think he plays his ass off. He really was an incredible bass player. He really was. I think people talk about Pete being a rock star and all that stuff and a great songwriter and a, an important rock personality, but... They might not talk as much about his bass playing, which was real. When he was young and on, it was really, really good. Really good. So um, I just took his, his arrangements and maybe tweak them a hair. I tried to stay uh, to respect them the best I could. And maybe certain little things uh, that just 
tweak them towards my style a little bit, you know. But I have a very classic rock rooted style, so it wasn't hard for me to 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 uh, reproduce them and and do them justice. So. Yeah, and here here's what I find interesting about this about this box set in particular and. I know some have said, well, it's the same show sort of over and over and over again. And to me, that's exactly what's fascinating about it is because you get this band at the height of their career, at the height of their performance, doing six shows back to back to back to back. There's no off day in this. It's the 13th, the 14th, the 15th. They always toured like that. They would do 300, 300 something days a year they would tour. It's unbelievable. An itinerary once, it was insane. Like... Not just a, a stretch with no off days. The whole, you know, the whole tour would hardly have any off days. Just the whole year would hardly have any off days. It's crazy. Yeah, actually, but before we get to, to to this, then talk to me about that because now we're we're more conscious about resting on the road. We're more conscious about letting the throat have. You know, that's why this a lot of singers won't do interviews when they're on tour. Did 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 Phil or any of the guys tell you about hey when we were there I would blow out my throat I would get cortisone this I would and, and is there any sort of road stories that you've heard about how rough it must have been I mean poor poor Andy poor shoulders pounding every yeah. night it's got to be brutal Yeah luckily he you know he was young enough to handle that kind of you know itinerary but uh I can't think of any particular stories but I know Phil had one show, um, and it was before me. It might have been in 2005-ish or something, um, where he had zero voice, and they still did it. It, it, it might have been on – see, I don't really know, but it might have been on Cruise or something. Um, but he had to do the show, and everyone felt so bad for him because he there was just nothing there, you know? And I don't think people were angry. I think people were just felt bad, you know. So I remember that story and also the story I told you about where Andy was showing me the itinerary. Uh, it was just insane. And then there was one other story of their their rider, their liquor rider in the 70s. I wish I had a picture of it. It's just m monumental. Like nothing like today. They would have like cases of beer and cases of wine for sound check. And then they would have bottles of liquor and cases and cases of beer for the gig and you know, it's just you know legendary. It, it's funny because uh years ago i got to be uh lemmy of motorheads driver in montreal and I, I was the guy all day i was his runner i was there all day and his rider was 240 ounces of vodka and uh phil's was pitchers of martin of uh no so not martinis margaritas and Lemmy you took. Them, you made the margaritas, or it was pre-made? Well, the the bar was making them, and I made sure I got it to him. You know, gotcha, gotcha. and uh, Lemmy was back there with those two forty ounce, and he drank both. He drank both before hitting Incredible. the stage, and he was perfectly fine. There was z every day, every every day. He he didn't even wobble. <laughs> he just he drank him straight out of the bottle. And uh, Phil took these pictures of Martini, and I think he had like three or four, and they went and played the show as if they were breathing air. And I was sitting there going, that would have not only made somebody drunk, it would have put them in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, the, they they uh, different different era back then. You know, you look at some of the touring now of some of the bigger bands, and they've got the masseuse and they've got the uh, the vegan diet, and you're just like, what what <laughs> what happened to 1975? Uh, with Spread Eagle, since we're on bands, have you ever had that itinerary where you just you know hop in the bus or hop in the van and you've got to go do seven shows out of nine nights just because of whatever financial or routing or especially for a band like spread eagle where there is there's hardly any profit if any you know um you have to do whatever it takes you know but with most bands i think we do like four shows then give the singer a break but spread eagle is a perfect example because that's a situation where we don't have that kind of control or say you know we just kind of got to make the budget work and because it's a smaller band, you got to rough it, you know? Do you think, uh, like back in this day, uh, this is the Obsession Tour, do you think they were just trying to make the budget work, or was it just they were hungry and young, and like a lot of the bands, you just played? Shut up and play. That's the way it was back then for all bands. They would just, uh, for most rock bands, had that kind of that, that kind of pace. Um, it was... I think it was the beginning of the industry, the touring, you know, the big touring industry. It was the very beginnings of that. Um, and I think you had managers who just would push and push and push. Um, so I think since then, bands know if they can have a day off, it'll actually help things, you know, even though it may hurt the budget a hair it keep the whole thing on on the tracks, you know, not from going off the tracks. Your singer doesn't lose his voice. You don't have to cancel shows. So, you know, I mean, you could look at an itinerary that has no off days and think you're going to make more money. But in reality, if, if people get sick and you have to cancel a lot of shows, it might not be the most fi financially feasible routing right. itinerary. You know? yeah. And, and that's, so, by the way, what I notice with Metallica these days. They'll do two weeks on, two weeks off. And in those two weeks on, they're only doing like three shows a week. They're like, really? Let's yeah, make sure. It must be nice to, to have that kind of uh, budget where you can do things like that, you know? Well, it's But funny. then again, it's, I have to say, there's something good about, you know, say a lot of tours I do are like, 15 to 20 shows. A lot of tours I do are 15 to 20 shows come home for a bit. And if you were spreading them out, that would make it a much longer tour, you know? And it's, you know, it's nice to come home. It's nice to tour and it's nice to also come home, you know? So 15 shows with three shows a day is very, uh, three shows a week is very different from 15 shows with six shows a week or five shows a week, you know, lengthwise. So that's something to think about. It's kind of nice to get it done, you know, and do what you do what you set out to do. And well, it's also nice it to get in the groove and stay sharp. Once you get the the band playing and you hit that pocket, and then you take four days off, it's like, it. it I don't know, but I agree. You know, listen. Uh, the, there's two things I'll say to this. First of all, Metallica play at such an energy or such a level that poor Lars. I mean, how how do you do blast beats and and <laughs> those heavy riff stuff? you know, seven days out of nine, it, that, you know. Yeah. Uh, but the other complaint I've heard is the I opening band. I think it's band. the hardest on, on vocalists and, and, and drummers. I think touring is the hardest. 
the physical aspect of playing is the hardest and and the longevity of it is the hardest for vocals vocalists and drummers it really is and but the other complaint i've heard from uh, from bands that tour like that is uh the opening bands they they can't afford to take four days off and then two weeks off so they got to keep playing and find but then they have to go outside the radius clause and all and it becomes such a cluster that there it's it's difficult but you're opening for metallica so smile <laughs> you show up and then you, you drive you, your van mm-hmm. and smile. Hey, that's that's the way to do it. But let me get back to this to this box set because to me, again, it really is the reissue box set of the year. Uh, first thing that I find interesting is when the band comes in, and I'm just looking at the box set here. When they come into Cleveland or they come into some of the bigger markets, they're playing 15, 16 songs, and then they go to Kenosha or some of the smaller markets, and they're playing. 12 or 13 songs and this is not just ufo all the bands did that for the big markets la new york boston detroit they're getting the whole kit and caboodle and for some of the smaller markets you're, you're just filling out the contract contract says you're playing 75 minutes you're playing 75 minutes uh is that something that the band still does like when you're out on tour with ufo does every city get the full thing or do sometimes you go listen Tonight, we're just going to do the 75 and get out of here. I think for the most part, with every band I'm in, everyone gets the full the full amount. But, you know, there could be situations where, say, there's a, a show that didn't sell well, you know, or that you may do, you might cut a couple songs, or maybe the singer is thinking about tomorrow is New York. So maybe we should do a couple less songs tonight, or maybe that show in New York is going so crazy that they want to do a couple extra encores. So for the most part, you have the same template. But yes, it can be altered a little bit depending on what's going on, what's coming up. Or say you just did New York last night, and it was a you know monumental show, and you know you're a little tired. Maybe you'll pull a song out or something like that. So yeah. I'd say going into it, it's the template is the same, but it gets altered depending on the situation. Yeah, and, I, and I've had, you know, in Montreal, I've seen bands come in and cut two or three songs, and they're like, yeah, but we have a 14-hour bus ride to Chicago tomorrow, so we're going to have to, you know. And it's like, okay, that's fair. You know, you you got you, you to gotta play. Um, just l- looking at these songs here, the other thing that I find fascinating about this set and why I'm declaring it my reissue of the year is the fact that for these six shows, you you sense the excitement of the band and you sense the energy, but you also feel that there the, the tiredness. You, you feel the 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 bumps on the road. You it, it really exposes the band, and and you sort of get it as a fan. You get a sense of I understand what it was like to be on the road with them for that one week because, you know, some songs are faster, some songs are slower, some songs you can tell they're tired. Sometimes the voice is just a little bit. And you go, yeah, you know, it, it must have been hard. And that's one week. They must have done. It's kind of cool that it's it's all within one week. That's that is a really interesting way of looking at it. It it, it really is. So when when you're out there with Spread Eagle or Sebastian or, or UFO, and you're doing these runs, does does it just? I mean, is it just adrenaline that that gets you through it, or? Uh, or do you get tired at some point and just like, do you ever show up at a gig and just go, I'm just not in the mood tonight. I just want to go home. Yeah. Yeah. But not too 
too often because I'm I'm like a I kind of I'm kind of unique. Like I get out on the road and I'm I'm really the whole day is 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 about the show. So I don't like when I when I was younger, I used to do more sightseeing and stuff and going to museums and hanging out with friends like touring could be a way to like reconnect with all these friends all over the country. Now I'm, I'm more like about conserving energy uh, and really being ready for the show and seeing friends after the show. And so uh, I guess it's, it's, it's your, how you go about budgeting your time or your focus, but I'm still very focused on the show the whole day. Like what time you shower, what time you eat, it's all, you know, I mean, not that everyone else isn't like that, but I'm saying I kind of conserve my energy more than I used to. And uh, so I'm not, it's not very often where I, where I'm tired when I hit the stage, to be honest with you. But I have felt that way before. I know what you mean. And then when you're younger, when I'm, you know, when you're drinking more and stuff like that, you know, like, or if you're not younger and you do that. You know, drinking will definitely make you tired on tour very quickly, you know, and it's hard, you know, you get, it becomes residual where it's hard to catch up on sleep. It's hard to catch up on just feeling, uh, you know, strong and, and energetic, you know, but, uh, but I felt that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, so let me ask you this, because we're in the COVID times and we're doing the live streaming stuff, but how important is it? to have the fans in front of you because you show up, you're tired, whatever, you're younger, you're drinking. and But there is something about seeing those people in the front row or that whole audience and just go, okay, it's on, right? I mean, you don't get that on the live stream. Yeah, it's almost like the difference between recording and live. And recording, you're, you're in your head and you're thinking about what can go wrong or what can go right or whatever. You're kind of, your focus is, is, is here and live, your focus is like, you know, out there more, you know, like I remember once Spread Eagle did the King Biscuit Flower Hour, you know, and it's so you're in a club on a stage, but it's so clinical, you know, and uh, so I, I haven't done any COVID shows and uh, I, I think it'd be really strange, you know, hopefully I won't have to. Hopefully this will turn around quick enough where I won't have to. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm hoping. I know the head of CAA, uh, the one of the talent agencies, said that he expects fully normal by October of 2021, which, eh, good news and bad news. Good news is October 2021. Bad news means summer tours uh, and some of the big summer tours, stadium tours and all that that we've been talking about may not happen. Um, so, you know, stadium some, tours are a big part of the industry, you know, maybe not maybe not for, for smaller and medium bands, but the industry in general, the, the profit ratio of the in industry in general and these big ticketing companies and these big promotion companies, uh, booking agencies, you know, summer tours, outdoor touring is a big chunk of that success or failure of it. So it's, it's, wor it's worrisome. Well, I'll tell you where it's really worrisome. It's the sheds. Point, my, I don't mean to interrupt, but my point is, even though I'm, I may I may not be doing a big outdoor summer tour this year, right. it still will affect me, you know, it's in some way. Well, of course, because there's less money to go around if those tours don't exactly. happen. Exactly. I mean, fair enough. And and but here's where my concern is: it's the summer sheds, you know, though the the SPAC in in upstate New York and Saratoga, the 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 Jones Beach, all those places where. They're not holding shows in December. They're not holding shows in January. They really are 
mid-May to, God, mid-September, sometimes October, if they don't have shows rolling in... For two years in a row. I mean, how do they exist? I mean, a club... A club yeah. is a club is a club. It can exist. It can sell something else. It can have poker night. It can do something. Uh, the arenas, they have the hockey and the basketball, and they can do something, or the government will step in. I mean, you know, nobody's going to let Madison Square Garden just disappear. But what do you do with the SPAC or Jones Beach if there's no shows? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So that's that's yeah. that's the tough one here. In years, it, it could be it's devastating, you know? could be the end of those but uh, let's get back to the to the good stuff uh, subway to the stars came out in uh, 2019 of course with spread eagle where are we in terms of new music new band new i know i know i've seen you post about some stuff and some ideas and you're sussing stuff off but where are we in terms of getting it going lots of new songs written um rick and i our drummer have gotten together and and uh, done pre-production on a ton of songs so um, just stockpiling and moving forward towards um, finishing those songs and getting in the studio. Very right. excited. Yeah. Good stuff. Really good stuff. Exactly what our fans want from us. We're not trying to Reinvent become the wheel. a different band than what we are. So. Yeah, you're saying this is, this, this is where it sucks for the interview. Normally I say, great, you're going to put it out. You're going to go on tour. But I can't ask you that question because... You're, yeah. you're not going and, to... And most bands are are considering COVID around their entire schedule of releasing, touring, etc. So we're, we're kind of waiting. But we're sitting on some really good songs, and I feel very good about it. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, UFO, of course, was doing sort of the, the, the farewell tour, for the lack of a better word. They said, well, we'll do it in 2021, but... Are we still there? Is that still on the yeah, books? We, we have we have a bunch of shows booked for for twenty one. Um, there's I've seen like three European runs, uh, I think so far, and uh, we had South America in April, but that did get canceled. So UFO has something in October that, from what everyone's saying, there's a good chance that could happen and. We also have stuff in the summer, and Bach has stuff in the summer. So we'll see. We're hoping for the summer stuff, you know. I'm hoping, too. And I'll ask you this just real quick. When a band like UFO is about to, to do their farewell tour, and then you've had a two-year break or a year break, does Phil and the guy just sort of say, you know what, I'm not really in the mood to retire. I feel rested now. I'm good to go. I think... Possibly. <laughs> Good. Possibly. You know? I mean, if you're asking if like when this is all going to end, I don't know. Um, but, you know, we're talking about shows in 21. So I, I hope, you know, I hope it keeps going. Like, I understand it may get difficult at some point for, for you know, for everyone, for any human. But if you can do it and that's what you're what your legacy to the world is why not do it for as long as you possibly can you know that's the way i look at it like paul raymond you know he 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 gigged right up until he passed you know and yeah. that's that's like lemmy thing, I, like lemmy yeah you know 
All those guys. I'm telling you, Keith Richards and, and Mick Jagger are, are going to pass out on a stage or pass away on a stage. They'll be 97, 98, 99, but that's what's going to happen. Anyway, this uh, this box set, folks, Strangers in the Night, is available now. Well, sort of. I mean, it came out on November 20th. I know, I know some people in the States and Canada have had a hard time, but uh, it is out there. You can get it, and... Uh, it's just it's just fascinating. I love that the fact that you listen to these shows and like I said before, you can you you can hear the excitement but you can also sense the fatigue. It's 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 fascinating and uh I know in 2015 Kiss were going to do the same thing with The Alive. They had uh, Alive in 5 was going to come out. They were going to do it. It never came out. It does it's supposedly in a vault and for universal music but i hope that that band and other bands do this because you really as a fan you get a sense of what it was like to be on the bus with ufo for a week in 1978 anyway there you go yeah i think it's cool to just what maybe what you're you're feeling is is what it used to be like for bands that were what it is like for a band that isn't doesn't play to a click track, you know, is a real rock and roll band. You know, it's never going to be the same. You know, it's going to be affected exactly like what you said by, you know, how tired you are, how tired you aren't, how much energy you have. If you've done some maybe mood influencing substances or alcohol or whatever, you know, or if you've been sick or if you get if you are sick or getting over being sick or how many shows in a row, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool to see that a real, a real band touring, you know, and what it sounds like. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's a perfect and documentary. That's the, that's the beauty of rock and roll. It should, you know, do you feel the same every day? You know, no, you, you have your moods uh, that you have up and down, you know, and that's the way rock and roll should be, you know, and that, therefore that's the way a tour should be. That's the way a tour should so be. I think it's and, and you can hear it in Rock Bottom, because as you know, Rock Bottom, you get in there and, and there's a template, but there's also some freedom to, to jam a bit. And you yeah. hear these 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 versions of Rock Bottom one after the other and you're going, oh, he was feeling it. Tonight. Oh, look. at And there's just these little geeky kind of moments you can pick out and you go, oh, I haven't heard him do that before. That's a, that's kind of cool. By the way, yeah. By the way, how? Yeah, how that's why it's. That's why it's great to have all, you know, so many different versions in, in one release. Yeah. Uh, and here, I'll, I'll finish on this. When you guys play with Vinny and stuff, do you just let the moment take it away when you're doing, you know, rock bottom or something? Or do you have like a, do you practice something at rehearsal at, that's, um, what do you know, not rehearsal, you know what I mean, uh, sound check and you go, okay, tonight we're going to extend it. Like how, how does that sort of, does it feel or is it rehearsed? It, well, we don't do sound checks, so we may do maybe one a tour uh, at the beginning of the tour, the first day. If something is going drastically wrong within a tour, we may call, Phil may call a sound check. I'm talking about UFO. Um, so what we have for speaking about rock bottom, we have some, like what I would call signposts. So we'll basically let Vinny dictate the, the whole jam section. But then when we hear a signpost, we know it's going to a next part. And it might not be necessarily in the next part of the song. It might just be the next part of the jam. You know what I mean? But we have these little things where where we know what's going on and it brings us all together for a minute, you know? 
uh, for a second. And um, and then other than that, it's just Vinny, just wh- how he feels it. You know, that whole part is 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 quite a, a journey. It's like a song in itself. So we let Vinny kind of guide us. Yeah, through the little cues. And I got to say, there's a, a UFO release called Showtime with uh, Jason Bonham and Vinny. And that release is just stunning. That The band was so on and Vinny was so on. And, and that version of Rock Bottom on that is just it's fantastic. It's just, it's, 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 you just listen to it and you go, fuck yeah, well done, boys. Anyway. And then there's another disc on that where it has them playing with um, a quartet or strings and which is really cool really cool yeah super super cool but hey you know what listen i've gone down the uh, ufo rabbit uh, rabbit hole this summer i have got as i've said before 1830 songs in my phone of shanker ufo scorpions all tied together and i've i think i've been listening to it since late june and i'm still not done so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will get there. So and you'll I'm, have multiple versions of one song. You'll have to listen to like say ten versions of the same song. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. I mean, I've got ten versions of like Rock Bottom, but it's you know 1978, 1985, 19 this and that. No, uh, I know they're different. They're all different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. I, oh, I don't have my phone with me. I was going to tell you how many Rock Bottoms I have in there, but yeah, yeah. And and but that's what I like. Uh, you know. Uh, I listen every day. Uh, I'm, I think I'm at song 1600 and something, so I'm I'm very very close to the end of it. But I I, I just like it. I you know I've I've got acoustic versions of of Scorpion songs. You know I've got a, you know, a piano version of uh, Rock Me Like a Hurricane and or- orchestral and and of course the UFO stuff, the 70s stuff compared to the 80s stuff, the way they played it with the different guitarists and very different very different you know uh, some have heavy layers of keyboards and others don't have it it's so you know you know it's currently we have a few things that um that had keyboards were more keyboard uh, oriented where neil carter's now doing them live a little more guitar oriented so it's interesting yeah, and of course, well, that's another thing. Having Neil back, uh, you know, come and go, and uh, and there's a band called uh, X UFO, which was a whole bunch of X members. I have their albums in there too because it's 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 interesting because uh, what's the X UFO album called? Uh, they they do a live album. Uh, they have this band X UFO does a live album. I've heard the band, but I didn't know about the album. Yeah, and and, and they play all the songs. So it's all sort of like, you know, the B and C. That sounds wrong, but you know what I mean. Like it's not, it's not Michael and Phil. It's it's all the other guys, and they're doing their versions of the songs live at a festival, and it's fascinating because it it has sort of a fresh coat of paint on it. And anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I'm a geek. Uh, What are you gonna do? (laughs) What are you gonna do? Uh, Spread Eagle folk, keep an eye on out for that. Sebastian Bach. Always love uh, seeing Sebastian. Uh, you know, whatever you want to say about Sebastian, the guy delivers live every time for... Absolutely. What is it, 30... When did they come out? 80, 89 was the first one? It's about 31 years. Yeah, 31 years. 89. It's 31 years. Yeah, 31. And again, fans can say whatever they want. Dee Snyder can say whatever they want on Twitter. 
when you see Sebastian live and I saw him open for Bon Jovi and I saw him, oh, he has always, always just been fucking great. So, yeah, and still, he, he's one of the best front men. He's yeah. Really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, well, last year or two years ago, I saw you in uh, Montreal and Ottawa. Y- you can't complain. It's just, it's, it's stunning. Anyway, thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. My pleasure. Good, good. Happy holidays to you. Good talking to you. Yeah, and let's, let's hope that 2021 sees more rock. I hope so. Less live streams. More, uh, more on-stage stuff. <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right. Take care, Mitch.